الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى Today we're going to go through the life of Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah and we're also going to go through his sahih his book that he authored so you will leave this uh, lesson inshallah ta'ala having a great understanding of who Bukhari is and you leave inshallah ta'ala having a good understanding of his sahih if you've got the uh, notes with you you'll be able to look at uh, the points that we're saying inshallah ta'ala um imam al-bukhari his kunya is kunya means when you're named after a child sometimes that child may be your child and sometimes it may be somebody else's child or sometimes it may even be um, no one's child but you just give yourself that kunya our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha she never had no children and her kunya was what? her kunya was umma abdullahi she was named after who? abdullahi Abdullah ibn Zubair Abdullah ibn Zubair was the son of her sister Asma bint Abi Bakr gave birth to Abdullah ibn Zubair she took his name and she used it as hers so she was called Ummu Abdullah but it doesn't necessarily mean that the person had a child like we hear Imam al-Nawi was his kunya Abu Zakaria and Imam al-Nawi never ever married and he had no children so kunya is given even if you don't have a name kunya is given or a person can have a kunya his kunya is Abu Abdullah Bukhari's kunya is Abu Abdullah his name is Muhammad Bukhari's name is what? Muhammad and his father's name is Ismail. Bukhari's father's name is what? Ismail. His granddad's name is Ibrahim. So Bukhari's name is Muhammad. His father's name is Ismail. And his granddad's name is Ibrahim. The great granddad is Al Mughira. So it's Muhammad, Ismail. Ibn Ibrahim, Ibn al-Mughira, Ibn Bardizbah, Ibn Bardizbah, Ibn Bardizbah, Bardizbah, Bardizbah is Kalimatun Farisiya, it's a Persian word. Bardizba is a what? 
It's a Persian word. And the meaning that it holds, or what it means is, a zurrah, farmer. It means a farmer. Berdizba, it's a Persian, it's a Persian word, and it means farmer. That's the correct way of saying the name. Berdizba, that's how you say it. And two great scholars, they are the ones who said that this is how it should be said. The first one is Abu Nasr ibn Makula. Abu Nasr ibn Makula. He said that the correct way of saying it is Berdizba. The second one is Al Imam Nawi. The second scholar is who? Al Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah. These two scholars, they said that the name is Berdizba. That's his name. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Imam al-Bukhari, his whole family, as in when I say family, his lineage, were they all Muslims? Or did Islam come into his family or his lineage at one particular moment? The scholars, they say that Bukhari, of course, he was, he, he was born a Muslim. And his father, Ismail, was born a Muslim. And his granddad was also born a Muslim, Ibrahim. So Muhammad ibn Ismail ibn Ibrahim, all three of them were born Muslims. They were always Muslims. Islam came through Al-Mughira. Islam came to them through what? Al-Mughira. Mughira took Islam. And where did he take Islam from? Where did Islam come to Al-Mughira? The scholars, they say, the person who brought him into Islam was Wali al-Bukhara, the governor of Bukhara. We're going to touch on what Bukhara is. Where Imam al-Bukhari is from, it's called Bukhara. The governor of Bukhara brought al-Mughira into Islam. He gave da'wah and he brought him into Islam. The governor's name was Al-Yaman. That's the name of the governor. What is the name of the governor? Al-Yaman. Pay attention here. Focus here. Al-Mughira came into Islam on whose hand? Al-Yaman. Al-Yaman he was from a tribe known as he was Ju'fi. Yaman is what? Al-Yaman is from a tribe known as is Ju'fi. Are we all together? When he brought Bukhari into Islam, uh, uh, sorry, Al-Mughira into Islam, when he brought Al-Mughira into Islam, Al-Mughira took on the lineage 
of Al-Yaman Al-Ju'fi. وَلِذَلِكَ When you look at Imam Al-Bukhari, his lineage, what do you see? Abu Abdullah, Muhammad ibn Ismail ibn Ibrahim ibn Al-Mughirata, Muhammad ibn Ismail ibn Ibrahim ibn Al-Mughirata, ibn Bardizbata, Al-Ju'fiyu Mawlahum. Al-Ju'fiyu, where did he come to Bukhari from? Are we together, brothers? So at that time, three times a person will adopt a person's lineage. Today, we don't have that, but we have something else. Do you know what it is? Nationalities. Nationalities is a new form of becoming part of that country. They give you nationality, they, and you become a British, an American, Canadian, Swedish, and etc. There's three times a person will take another person's lineage. Number one, it's called Wala'ul Islam. If a person brought another person into Islam, he will take his name or he'll take his lineage. Just like what happened with Al Imam al Bukhari. The second one is. So the first one is called Wala'ul Islam. If a person brings you into Islam, you adopt that person's lineage and you take on their family. The second one is Wala'ul Itq. It's called what? Wala'ul Itq. So the first one is Wala'ul Islam and the second one is Wala'ul Itq. What is Wala'ul Itq? If a person, you are a slave of theirs, uh, sorry, you are a slave for a person, you adopt that person's name. That was present. Okay? The third one is, Wala'u al-hilf. Wala'u al-hilf. Wala'u al-hilf means confederacy. This is the one that's more of a nationality. Which is, you would go to a people and you would live amongst them and you have a contract with them and they give you, they'll say, you're one of us, adopt our name. The way we look after our women and our children and everything, you are one of us. So you take on, this is the one that's more of a nationality. Those are the three ways that names would be taken by people. Sah? Are we all together? وَلِذَلِكَ الْإِمَامُ مَالِكِ بْنُ أَنَسِ الْإِمَامُ مَالِكِ He never used to like to be called تَيْمِيِّينَ He wouldn't hate to be called تَيْمِيِّينَ مَوْلَاهُمْ Rather, one of the people who used to use that for him was his teacher, Zuhri. And Malik used to hate that because it comes across that this name may, come, may have come through slavery and it didn't come through to him through slavery. And then Imam Malik would say, lam yarwi anna. I wish that Zuhri never narrated from the lineage to say this about us. And the Mawlahum, when you unrestrictedly use it, it can, it can fall to that as well. Are we all together? 
Anyways, it's, what, it's one of those three meanings. The first one is Wala'ul Islam. The second one is Wala'ul Itq. And the third one is Wala'ul Hilf. So when you read books of scholars, you need to know these. Because you're going to see that a lot. In the Arabic books. Seer Alam al-Nubala, Tariq al-Islam. Books like that. Mawlahum. What does Mawlahum mean? That's Imam al-Bukhariyu's name. Al-Imam al-Bukhariyu, we're going to go into his biography, a lot of gems, a lot of benefits we're going to take from it. But before I go in, I want to say that there are many books written on his biography. There are how many? Many books written on his biography. The first book that was written about Al-Imam al-Bukhariyu's life about him is a kitab known as Shama'il al-Bukhari it's a kitab called it's the first book written on the life of Bukhari it's called Shama'il al-Bukhari what is it called? Shama'il al-Bukhari it's known as Shama'il al-Bukhari rahimahullah and it was written by one of his students it's actually one of Imam al-Bukhari's student. And he was very close to Bukhari. And he was so close. Fi hillihi wa tirhalihi. If Bukhari traveled, if Bukhari was, a, was staying somewhere, he would be very close to him. And it's none other than um, Abi Ja'far Muhammad ibn Abi Hatim al-Warraq. He was the closest person to Imam al-Bukhari. He would travel to Bukhari. And if Bukhari was staying somewhere, he would stay with him. His name is Abi Ja'far Muhammad ibn Abi Muhammad ibn Abi Al-Hatim. Al-Warraq. The word Al-Warraq is a person who transcribes. Is the transcriber of Imam al-Bukhari. The sad reality is, this book, it's in the lost works that we don't have. It's from the Kutub al-Mafquda. Are we all together, brothers? It's not found. We don't have it. But, a great portion of it has been transmitted to us through other sources through secondary sources like Siyaru A'lam al-Nubala by who? Al-Imam al-Dhahabiyu Dhahabi transmits a lot from this book are we all together? also Al-Imam Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalaniyu he has an introduction that he placed for his book Fathul Bari which he called it Huda Sari. Um, some scholars they call it Hadju Sari. But it's actually more correct to call it what? Huda Sari. It's better to call it Huda Sari. Ibn Hadr spent that introduction 16 years authoring it. It's an introduction for his explanation of Bukhari. How many years was he writing the Hadju Sari and the Huda Sari for? 16 years Bukhari was, uh, Ibn Hadr was writing it. 
in there he talks about the life of Bukhari and he transmits a lot from who? Abi Ja'far, Muhammad ibn Abi Hatim in Al-Warraq. Are we all together? Also, Al-Imam Al-Sakhawi and others, they transmit from him. There's another kitab, Ibn Hajar, after he wrote his Hadith Sari, Ibn Hajar thought, I haven't given justice to Bukhari yet. 16 years, writing a book. He thought he might have to author another book just on the life of Bukhari. Because the Sari has more than just the life of Bukhari. What does it have in there, the Huda Sari? It has the life of Bukhari, and it also has inside it his book and the conditions of his book and his methodology in his book. So he authored a kitab called Hidayatul Sari Lisiratil Bukhari. It's called Hidayatul Sari Lisiratil Bukhari. One volume, and the best publication is Darul Bashair al Islamiyah. And I'm going to be reading from that today. That's the one I'm going to be using. To talk about Imam al-Bukhari's life, I'm going to be quoting and reading from the Hidayah al-Sari Lisirat al-Imam al-Bukhari from Ibn Hajar rahimahullah ta'ala. Great book. A lot of quotes, a lot of references, and a lot about Imam al-Bukhari's life, inshallah ta'ala, you'll see. There's also another um, book written on the life of Imam al-Bukhari, two volumes. And it's the biggest book written on the life of Imam al-Bukhari. It's the most comprehensive and it's the biggest in um, terms of size. It's the biggest. And it's the one written by the great Indian scholar, Al-Allama. Abdul Salam Al Mubarak Furi, Rahimahullah. Al Alama Abdul Rahman Al Mubarak Furiu. How do you say in uh, Urdu, uh, in Indian, how do you say in Arabic they say Mubarak Furi? Huh? Mubarak Puri. Do you understand it? He wrote it, Rahimahullah, in two volumes. Daru Alam al-Fawaid published it and he called it Siratul Imam al-Bukhari Sayyidul Fuqaha wa Imam al-Muhaddithin That's the biggest book on the life of Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala Let's go into a bit about Imam al-Bukhari Bukhari was born rahimahullah ta'ala Before I go into this who did we say came into Islam first? Al-Mughira. Mughira was a Majusi. Majusi is a what? A fire worshipper. Ajeeb. How Allah wa ta'ala from an offspring like that, he can bring what he wants from it. Allah wa ta'ala from there he brought Imam al-Dunya wallah. Al-Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala. Bukhari, he was, we're going to go according to the kitab Hidayah al-Sari, right? Hafiz al-Mahajr says, وَقَالَ الْوَرَّاقُ So I'm going to keep saying, قَالَ الْوَرَّاقُ قَالَ الْوَرَّاقُ Who's the warraq? Abi Ja'far Muhammad ibn Abi Hatim in al-Warraq. He's going to be speaking. He said, um, 
سمعت الحسن بن الحسين للبزار يقول رأيت محمد بن إسماعيل شيخا نحيفا الجسم Bukhari was a skinny person in terms of weight he was skinny okay Laysa bitawili wala bilqasir Bukhari wasn't tall nor was he short Wulida he was born yawm al-jum'ati on a Friday ba'da salati after the salat al-jum'ah li thalatha asharata 13 days khalat min shahri shawwal the month of shawwal the 13th of shawwal which month shawwal what day that on a friday on the 13th bukhari was born after salat al-jum'ah look how scholars huh when was it the year he was born? 194. 100 and what? 194. You have to write the dates. Okay? And Imam al-Bukhari is from the, from the rare scholars who's Look at it. وَكَذَا حَكَاهُ الْمُسْتَنِيرُ بْنُ عَتِيقٍ أَنَّ الْبُخَارِيُّ أَخْرَجَ لَهُ بِخَطِّ أَبِيهِ Bukhari, with his father's writing, handwriting, he brought out the date. When he, was, when he said this, that I was born on Friday, 13th of Shawwal, on the year 194, he brought out the document state. This is it. His birth certificate. Ah. And this is the benefit of writing everything and documenting things for your children. Historical events, things that happened in your life that you saw. Write it down for your children. Are we all together, brothers? I till today have the kitab that my father chose my name from. I have it. Al Adkar by Imam Nawi. I have still got that kitab that my father, when he chose my name and my older brother's name, Ahabul Asma'i ilallahi. The most beloved names to Allah is what? Abdullahi. I have it where my father underlined it. Are we all together? So these are good things for your children to look into and keep that legacy and information that you write and you note down. Your child is going to what? He's going to look at it. So this is an Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala. Let's talk about fi nash'atihi wa talabihi lil-hadith. Imam Bukhari's upbringing and his, his path in seeking knowledge. Imam Bukhari is Warraq. Abi Ja'far, Muhammad ibn al Warraq, Muhammad ibn Abi Hatim ibn al Warraq. He said, I said to Bukhari, the Warraq is asking Bukhari, how did your story start? How did you start seeking knowledge? Where did it all start from? You see, well, like, wise people, they ask good questions. And they document it for the people. Sahih? Bukhari said, here means, it, Allah placed in my heart. 
it was placed in my heart the love of memorizing hadith wa fil kutab kutab is a place where the person learns how to read to write huh? so the warraq said wa kam ata alayka idhaka how old were you at that time when you started to love and have passion to uh, memorize hadith how old were you at this time and then he said Ashru sinina, I was only 10. Oh, aqal, or I was a bit, yes, maybe less than that. I was either 10 or probably a bit less than that. Thumma kharajtu min al then I left the kutab. Ba'd al ashri after 10, faja'altu akhtalifu ila dakhili. This term, dakhili, what does he mean by it? Al-Imam Ibn Hajar in his kitab Taghliq al-Ta'liq he says Al-Dakhiliyu al-Madhkuru lam aqif ala smihi wa lam yadhkur ibn al-Sam'aniyu wa lal-Rushatiyu hadhihi al-Nisbah wa adhunnu anna nisbatun ila al-Madinati al-Dakhiliyati bin-Naysabur Ibn Hajar says I don't know who this Dakhili is he's referring to Is Dakhili a particular person? Or is Dakhili Naysabur? Because in Naysabur there was a place called Dakhili Whichever of those two Ibn Hajar said it's not clear to me But the point is Ibn Hajar says, after 10 years of age, I kept going to Dakhili. I kept going there. I kept going to Dakhili. And other than it, one day he said, The Shaykh who was in Dakhili, or the Shaykh's name is Dakhili, whichever of it is, it is, he was reading to the people. And the Shaykh said, so Ibn Bukhari said, before 10, I used to memorize hadith, and I used to love memorizing hadith. And I used to go to Dakhili. After 10, after I left my kutab, what did I do? He said, I went to Dakhili. Imam al-Bukhari was saying this. And he said, one day I was in the gathering of the Shaykh. Now, what we have to truly understand is, he's a young kid. Bukhari is very young. He said, I was in the gathering and the Shaykh started to narrate the hadith. So the Shaykh said, Sufyanun an Abi Zubairin an Ibrahima. The Shaykh said, Sufyan an Abi Zubair an Ibrahim an Ibrahim al Nakhai. The Shaykh, Rahimahullah, Imam al Bukhari, a little boy, he called out the Shaykh. He called out the Shaykh. And then he said, Inna Aba Zubair, Lam Yarwi Anil Bukhari. This person, Abu Zubair, referring to Abu Zubair al Makki, he didn't narrate from Bukha- and, uh, Ibrahim al Nakhai. He didn't narrate from him. Then the Shaykh said to him, Be quiet. Fantaharani said, Shh, little kid, quiet. Don't mess up the masjid. Ah, be quiet. He said this to who? Al Imam al Bukhari. I said to him, Bukhari, young kid, but very knowledgeable, he was confident in himself. He said to the teacher, Go back to your original copy that you got this narration from. Where you originally written on, go back to it. Because the ulama al hadith, they always had an had a original copy at home. So even if they came to their gathering and they narrated from the top of their head, which they used to, they would always revise. Just like they revised the Quran, they would revise their notes. Are we together, brothers? They don't just come to a Friday lesson, just sit in the class and not read their notes all the whole week. 
what do they do? Yeah. They revise their notes consistently and continuously. This is what has to be done, brothers. You have to revise. The teacher said, okay, you know what, I'm going to look into it. So he went to his asal, and then he looked into it. And he came back, he then said to me, Young boy, what do you think it is then? He said, Sufyan an Az-Zubayr ibn Adi. Not Aba Zubayr al-Makki, but Az-Zubayr ibn Adi. Aba Zubayr is what the Shaykh was saying, as a kunya, and he said, no, it's Az-Zubayr, not Aba, Az-Zubayr ibn Adi. And the Shaykh, فَأَخَذَ الْقَلَمِ He recognized. So he took a pencil, or a pen, وَأَصْلَحَ كِتَابَهُ He changed the original copy where he, where he did the mistake. فَقَالَ He then said to him, صَدَقْتَ You told the truth. فَقَالَ لَهُ بَعْضُ أَصْحَابِهِ When Bukhari was telling the story, the people were sitting there, they asked, Ibn Kam Kunta Idra When you responded to the teacher like that, how old were you? Fakalahu he said, I was Ibn Ihda Asharatasana. I was only eleven. I was only eleven years old. Quran is finished. There's no discussion about Quran and the Book of Allah. We're talking about a hadith and asanit, riwayat, chains. And then Bukhari goes on. Falamma ta'an tufi sitta When I reach sixteen. When I reach 16, حفظت كتب ابن المبارك ووكيع ابن جراح الرؤاسي. I memorized the whole book of Abdullah ibn Mubarak's kitab. And I memorized the whole book written by وكيع ibn جراح الرؤاسي. وعرفت كلام هؤلاء. And I swallowed the what? The statement of these scholars. I swallowed it. I digested it. It went to my system. Now pay attention. The kitab written by Abdullah ibn Mubarak and the kitab written by Al-Waki' ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi which he's saying I memorized is what? It's the statements of these scholars. What is it? It's the statement of these scholars. It's not the hadiths of the Prophet So what it seems like is Bukhari had actually finished memorizing the hadith and now he went towards the what? The kalam of the scholars of his time. And this shows us something very important which is as a student of knowledge you can't dismiss the statements of the scholars. And that you really need the kalam of the ulama. To say that Allah and his messenger said without any understanding this religion, it reached us through what? Chain. The same way that you took the wording from the prophets, the Quran of the prophet, the Quran and the word of Allah, the way you took its wording, and it came to you through your teachers, 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 and hakada, the meaning is also like that. Are we all together? Nowadays, this is the problem we have. We have people going on social media, they go to Google, the face, you know, this end, and that's it. He's a student of knowledge. And he's a person, he's a reference point for people now. Are we all together? The Prophet said to the companions, You would hear what I have to say. And there will come a people who will hear what you have to say. And there will come a people that will hear. And it will carry on like that. So the religion came through chain. 
So it's me, the understanding that you're coming with has to come through that chain. And that's what Imam al-Bukhari felt he needed. He wanted to know the kalam of Abdullah ibn Mubarak and his understanding. He wants, Bukhari wants to know the understanding of Al-Waqi' ibn Jarrah al-Rawasi. Because once you know everybody's view, if you want, accept it or reject it if you want. But you know it, Samana. Are we all together? So this is what it was. Look what he said. After he memorized the kitab of Waqi' ibn Mubarak and Waqi' ibn Jarrah al-Rawasi, and I learned their statements. And Bukhari never met these two scholars. He said, I went with my mother. وَأَخِي and my brother. I went with my mother and my brother. His brother was named Ahmed. Where did we go? We went to Mecca. Umrah. فلم, oh, Hajj. Hajj. فَلَمَّا حَجَجْتُ رَجَعَ أَخِي When we went to Hajj, my brother and my mother, they made a decision that they want to go back. وَتَخَلَّفْتُ بِهَا فِي طَلَبِ الْحَدِيثِ I said to my mom, I want to stay. Can I leave you? How old is he? 16. He's saying to his mom and his brother, you guys go back to where you're from. As for I, I want to seek knowledge. I want to learn. What we take from this is number one. Bukhari finished the knowledge from the people of his place. He had taken great portion from them. You see a person who wants to travel and he wants to go to the prestigious University of Medina, for example, and he hasn't even benefited from his locality. Are we all together? Because the chances of you coming back with exactly the same knowledge or probably less than what your city can give you is high. But if you go and you finish the knowledge of that place and you have nobody to take from, then you go to the neighboring place and you do the same, and then you carry on. When you come back to where you fr- left at the beginning, what are you going to come with? Ilm jadid, knowledge. You're going to be uh, the Imam of the city. وَلِذَلِكَ A lot of those people that go, they come back, and they can't do much. Because the local area, the hifz of the Qur'an programs that were being done, hatta he didn't benefit from it. Let alone other knowledge, sah? So it's important. Bukhari, at this point, he left. Scholars, they mention, how do you know that you've benefited from that city and the people of that city, you've taken all of the knowledge that they have to pro- provide you with? When your teacher starts to repeat what he says all the time and you know everything he's saying. Sah? Repetition, huh? He's repeating himself. What do you realize? That maybe here, <laughs> things are starting to wear out, starting to finish. Hmm? He says, وَتَخَلَّفْتُ بِهَا فِي طَلَبِ الْحَدِيثِ فَلَمَّا طَعَنْتُ فِي ثَمَانِيَ عَشَرًا جَعَلْتُ أُصَنِّفُ قَضَايَ الصَّحَابَةِ وَالتَّابِعِينَ وَأَقَاوِي لَهُمْ Imam al-Bukhari, he then said, he left his parents. When he said, I was 18, I started to author. جَعَلْتُ أُصَنِّفُ I started authorship. What? قَضَايَ الصَّحَابَةِ Matters related to the companions. Matters related to the tabi'een, I was authoring it. The views of the companions, he memorized them. Remember these days, it wasn't Google and you write it down. Google, you write it. It's not. He's writing this all from what he's memorized from the scholars. وَذَلِكَ فِي أَيَّامِ عُبَيْدِ اللَّهِ بْنُ مُوسَى وَصَنَّفَ كِتَابَ التَّارِيخِ إِذَاكَ عِنْدَ قَبْرِ النَّبِي صَلَّى عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِي لَيَالِ الْمُق
قال اسم في التاريخ إلا وله عندي قصة إلا أني كرهت التطويل الكتاب ولذلك he wrote his very famous book which is his تاريخ تاريخ الكبير and he wrote his تاريخ الصغير and he wrote all sorts as well Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala he mentions another story he says كنت عند أبي حفص أحمد بن حفص one day I was with أبي حفص أحمد بن حفص I was with him أسمع كتاب الجامع I was listening to the kitab of Sufyan al-Thawri Sufyan al-Thawri's book I was listening to him narrate it فمر أبو حفص على حرف Bukhari sitting in the gathering the Shaykh went and came across a word or a letter Bukhari says this was not with me I never had it present with me when he says it's not with me what, is he, what does he mean? my memory like in the Shaykh is reading from somewhere what the Shaykh is reading is not in my brain I don't have that with me فَرَاجَعْتُهُ I said Shaykh let's go back on this point and then we corrected it and the next one next mistake came up I said Sheikh maybe this one's again three times in one gathering when he corrected him the people they became a bit annoyed so they said Man hada, who's this individual who keeps putting his finger up and correcting the Sheikh knows the value of Imam al-Bukhari and he looked at his people students and he said to them Ibn Ismail because he's not known the father's known this is the son of Ismail and it is and the reality is is as this boy is saying to me and then he said memorize this from me all of you this man is going to be a man one day huh? he's going to be not a male uh, man a lot of us are just males. Huh? He said he's going to be a, he's going to be a man, Rajul. This is to show you that some of the Mashayikh, they reached a point where they used to correct their books on Bukhari. Like Muhammad ibn Salam al-Bikandi, rahimahullah. Muhammad ibn Salam al-Bikandi would go to Bukhari and would say, Bukhari, come. He'd read a hadith and say, what is, is it correct? And Bukhari would say yes. And then on the side he would say, Radi al-Fatah, the boy was pleased. And if Bukhari wasn't happy, he would say, Lam yarda al-Fatah, the boy wasn't pleased with it. A young boy, Bukhari. To the extent that some of the ulama we're going to see later, when Bukhari would walk into the gathering, they used to shake. They used to what? They used to become very nervous. Not that he had a police, an army, but because of his precision, God was precise. Precision. He had very strong precision, precise. Haraka, a letter, everything meant everything to him. Listen to this story. Bukhari said one day, "Kuntu akhtarif ila al-fuqaha' bi marwin." I would go to the place, to the place Maru, and I would go to the fuqaha, the jurists. I was a young boy. فقال لي مؤدب من أهلها المؤدب said to me one day كم كتبت اليوم because he kept seeing me go to the uh, the فقيه the scholar so he said to me how much how much a hadith did you write 
Fakultu Bukhari said ayatain, I wrote two verses. He asked him about what? What did he ask him about hadith? And what did Bukhari respond with? He responded with two verses from the... So what did the people do who were listening and who heard it? فَضَحْرِكَ مَنْ حَضَرَ الْمَجْلِسِ Everybody started laughing. He got asked about I, uh, how many hadith did you write? And he responded with two ayahs I wrote. There was no ayahs were mentioned. It was all hadith. فَقَالَ الشَّيْخُ مِنْهُمْ A sheikh that was in the gathering, he said, لَا تَضْحَكُوا Don't laugh. فَلَعَلَّهُ يَضْحَكُوا مِنْكُمْ يَوْمًا One day he will laugh at you. Don't laugh. One day he will laugh at you. Abu Muhammad Abdullah ibn Muhammad ibn Ishaq al-Simsar he said al-Mu'aqid Sami'tu shaykhi yaqulu dhahabtu an ayn ayna Muhammad ibn Ismail fi sagari Bukhari when he was very young he lost his eyesight so he wasn't born blind was Bukhari born blind? no he lost his eyesight when he was very young I want you to all listen to this story because this is something that will impact every one of us which is for us to look at Bukhari and for us to understand this man, we have to understand what household he came out from. What kind of parents did Bukhari have? Because people like Bukhari, they come out from a specific type of household. Not every single household can give birth to Bukhari. Are you with me, brothers? I was reading the kitab. It's called... It's written by a scholar Abu Qasim Hibatullahi Allalakai Rahimahullah. I mentioned this book before when I was speaking about Aqidah. This kitab is called Usulu Atikadi Ahl Sunnah Al Jama'ah. It speaks about the fundamental beliefs of Ahl Sunnah and their creedal issues. This kitab is six volumes. Darul Tayyibah published it. It's a very good book. At the ending of that book, at the ending of that book, it's a aqidah book. He mentions that from the belief of Ahl Sunnah is what? Karamatul awliya. That the awliya of Allah can sometimes have supernatural things. Ahl Sunnah believe that. Do we believe in karamatul awliya? We believe it. Ahl Sunnah do believe that. But they believe, of course, with conditions. Okay? They believe it with what? With conditions. We don't believe a person who doesn't pray, who doesn't, who doesn't fast in the month of Ramadan, he marries his maharim. And then he's doing supernatural things. We believe shayateen is working with him. Hmm? Are you me, brothers? That one, he's working with the jinns. But some of the scholars, scholars, athbat, thiqat, sadiqeen, they had karamat, like Ibn Qudam, rahimahullah. And others, they had karamat. Supernatural things Allah gave them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are you with me, brothers? Ahlul Sunnah believe that. It's their belief. But with conditions. We're not going to speak about that. But do you know who he added in the list of those who had supernatural from the karamat? He added the mother of Imam al-Bukhari. Abu Qasim Hibatullahi Allah Lakaiyu writ in there the story of Imam al-Bukhari's mother. Which was the story? is when her son lost his eyesight at a young age. What did she see? فَرَأَتْ وَالِدَتُهُ فِي الْمَنَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ الْخَلِيلِ She saw Nabi Allah Ibrahim in a dream. The Bukhari's mother. She saw Ibrahim, Nabi Allah Ibrahim in a dream. 
فقال he said to him يا هذه أو يو قد رد الله على ابنك قد رد الله على ابنك على ابنك Allah has brought back for your son بصره his eyesight لكثرة دعائك because of your excessive dua أو 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 لكثرة بكائك your excessive crying فأصبح she woke up in the morning and then she looked for uh, for him in bed and she looked at him فأصبح وقد رد الله عليه بصره Allah brought his eyesight back so she was an imra'atun salihah for Allah to accept her dua crying and her pleading. Allah heard it subhanahu wa ta'ala. A righteous mother was the mother of who? Ibrahim. Uh, Bukhari. What about his father? Al-Imam al-Bukhari's father when he died and he was on his deathbed. On his deathbed. He said to the people who were sitting there, Laysa fi mali dirhamun. In my wealth there is not one dirham haram. One dirham. The wealth that I have, in which I'm leaving behind for my children, there is not in it one dirham that's haram. So this is his father, and this is his mother. People like that give birth to righteous people. Are we all together, brothers? People who are salih, who are righteous, who fear Allah privately, and they fear Allah publicly, they observe the wealth that they bring to the house. The penny. This child that you're feeding haram. Don't you think that this money and this wealth that you're putting in him is not going to be the cause of his misguidance and his deviation? The Prophet said to us, Any flesh that is nurtured upon haram, the hellfire has rights over that body, the day of judgment. The flesh that you're feeding with, Haram income, interest, money, bank, give me this, take this. Don't you think that the hellfire will say, okay, give me my rights. And it will the day of judgment. And anyone who eats haram, do you think Allah is going to accept their dua when they call on to Allah at the times of hardship? Huh? This shows you that his father and his mother, they ate haram, they live, uh, sorry, halal. His father and mother ate halal. They lived upon halal. And so when they raised their hands to Allah and they begged Allah, Allah gave them what they wanted. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلِذَلِكَ One of the rights that the children have on the parents is that the scholars Ibn al-Qayyim in his kitab تُحْفَةُ الْمَوْلُودِ تُحْفَةُ الْمَوْلُودِ فِي أَحْكَامِ الْمَوْلُودِ He mentions that the rights that the children have on you, some people think the rights of the children is once they are born, their tarbiyah is the only rights that they have on you. That is misunderstanding of the word tarbiyah. The children's tarbiyah, it starts way before they even come into existence. The rights that the children have on you is that the woman, that you're going to make them their mother, you've chosen wisely. You've picked this woman with a conscious mind. Because this woman is going to be the mother that's going to carry your children. You don't understand any woman. And then after that, the scholars, they mention the night of con- 
or the two spouses come into contact that the person says Allahumma jannibin ash-shaytan wa jannibin ash-shaytana mimma razaqtana the Prophet said anyone who makes dua that moment shaytan will not touch that offspring no dua, no adhkar, no one's making it and then the child it comes then the tarbiyah comes after that are we all together brothers? so it seems Bukhari's parents they there's another scholar, his name is Ibrahim Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Abdullah ibn Mubarak was a great Imam, Trophils. We just mentioned it, Bukhari memorized his... Abdullah ibn Mubarak was a, his father, Mubarak ibn Waddah al-Hanbali, was a slave. Abdullah ibn Mubarak's father was a slave. And he used to work for a master, and the master had a big garden. A big garden. Rich, was well known for his garden, the master. So one day he said to Mubarak, the father of Abdullah, Mubarak ibn Waddah al-Hamdali, he said, can you go to my garden and go pick me one fruit, a juicy fruit, and bring it to me? I really want to eat something. Go pick the best fruits, the best apples from my garden. So Mubarak went, he picked a, uh, a portion of it and he brought it to the master. The master tasted the fruits and he said, Mubarak, I told you to get me a juicy fruit. I told you to get me juicy fruit. Why did you get me this? This is not nice, this is not juicy. And then he said to him, I never ate from your garden. I wouldn't know which one tastes nice and which one doesn't. And you know a garden, fruits, they fall on the ground. Sometimes it's going to get destroyed anyway, so you might as well put it in your mouth and eat it. He never thought like that. He knew this was the amana. He knew this was a responsibility. And I never ate from it. So people like that, they give birth to Abdullah al-Mubarak and Imam al-Bukhari and others. And Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, he wasn't always a person who was precise in his knowledge. In, in other words, he wasn't always strong in his hifd. He wasn't always as people think he was. Are we all together, brothers? Look at this story. And Imam al-Bukhari, one day he said, وَهُوَ يَبْكِي He was crying. Bukhari was crying and he was crying. فَقُلْتُ لَهُ أَحْمَدِ بْنُ يُوسُفِ السُّلَمِ He said, I said to him, مَا يُبْكِيكَ What is making you cry, Bukhari? قَالَ He said, لَا يُمْكِنُنِي أَنْ أَكْتُبَ The reason is because I can't write. وَلَا أَضْبِطَ And I can't memorize. I'm suffering both. Are we all together? I can't write like how everybody else can. And I can't memorize like others. He became the way you see. I mean, he became strong in his memorization. And wallahi, this comes with determination. We're going to see it later. Bukhari was asked an advice. How can a person memorize? They asked him. After they saw his hifd and his precision in, in, in knowledge, they said, how did you do this? How can you help us? Is there any medication a person can take? They asked him this. And then Imam al-Bukhari said, I don't know anything a person can eat or a substance a person can take that will help their memorization, except two things. And I think these are the two most beneficial things he said. The first one was what? The first one was, Nahmatu rajuli A person's what? Passion your passion 
And how determined are you? Are you coming to some classes? Are you just missing some classes? And then after a year, you want to see results? Nahmatul rajul, the passion of a person. And the second one was what? Wamudawamatun nadar. Continuously looking at something. And going over it again and again and again and again and not giving up. These are the two things he said, I believe, would help a person's memorization. Surah Al-Fatiha. Why is Surah Al-Fatiha easier than any other surah in the Quran? Who said it's easier? Do you have any evidence that Fatiha is easier than any other surah? Are we all together, brothers? Why is Fatiha easier than any other surah? It's because of the what? Repetition. You hear it more often. Are we all together, brothers? Listen to Muhammad Ismail al-Bukhari. Al-Mamu al-Bukhari said, لَقِيتُ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ أَلْفِ شَيْخٍ I met more than a thousand shaykh. Are we all together, brothers? This is important. He said, I have not met... So I have met how many shaykhs? Alfu shaykh. Min ahli al-hijaz, wa makkata, wa al-madinata, wa al-basrata, wa wasit, wa baghdada, wa al-shama, wa misra. Laqeetuhum qarnan ba'da qarnin. Al-Imam al-Bukhari said, I traveled, I met a thousand shaykh. I ask you guys a question today. Who can amongst us say they even met two sheikhs they sat with and they took knowledge from? He's talking about sticking with these shuyukhs, taking their knowledge, finishing it, moving to the next one. He said, Laqeetu, I, I met akthara min alfi shaykh and more than a thousand shaykh. But look how the lands were. It's places that today that we have a flight of airplanes that you can take, some of us will not even be bothered to travel to it. And he traveled to these places in what way? Walking and riding beast. I met them. Where are they? Hijaz, Mecca and Medina, Basra, Wasit, Baghdad, Sham, Misr. I met them, Qarnam ba'da Qarnim. Generation after generation. I met them. He said, I went to Sham. I went to Misra. I went to Jazeera twice. I went to Basra four times. I stayed in Hijaz for six years consecutively. وَلَا أَدْرِي I don't know كَمْ دَخَلْتُ الْكُوفَةَ وَبَغْدَادِ مَعَ مُحَدِّثِي خُرَسَانِ I don't know, I lost count of how many times I went to Kufa and how many times I went to Baghdad. I lost count. So it has to be more than what? It has to be more than four times for him to lose count. صح? Rather, eight times some of the aqwal mentioned he went to Baghdad and he met who? Imam Ahmed. Every single time I was sitting with Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. How many times? Eight times. Look what he said. دَخَلْتُ الْبَلْخِ فَسَأَلَنِي أَصْحَابُ الْحَدِيثَ عَنْ أُمْلِيَ عَرِيمٍ Bukhari said, I went to a place called Balkh. The people of Balkh said, Bukhari, Bukhari, can you teach us? Narrate hadith for us. I then said to them, Okay. I will narrate for you. I will, the, a thousand, how many people did he say he met? More than a thousand. Each person I met, I will tell you a hadith that I heard from them. Each person, how much? A thousand. A thousand shaykh? A thousand hadiths. How much is that? One million. Wallahi, no page, no paper, no nothing. Are we all together? 
I met a thousand sheikhs and I'm only going to narrate for, for you a thousand of each one. And then he said, فَأَمْلَيْتُ أَلْفَ حَدِيثٍ لِأَلْفِ شَيْخٍ مِمَّنْ كَتَبْتُ عَنْهُ ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said, كَتَبْتُ عَنْ أَلْفٍ وَثَمَانِينَ نَفْسًا لَيْسَ فِيهِمْ إِلَّا صَاحِبَ حَدِيثٍ He said, I wrote from what? أَلْفٍ وَثَمَانِينَ نَفْسًا One thousand and eighty people and each and every one of them I made sure their aqeedah was sahih when I took knowledge from them. Uh, Imam al-Bukhari is saying this. Sahib hadith here means a person of correct aqeedah. There's a difference between ahlul hadith and sahib hadith. Are we all together? Meaning he was a person of correct methodology. His aqeedah was sahih. That's what I took from in another place, he expands on it more. Look what he said. كَتَبْتُ عَنْ أَلْفِ نَفْسٍ مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ وَزِيَادَةً أَنْ مُوْ وَلَمْ أَكْتُبْ إِلَّا عَنْ مَنْ قَالَ الْإِيمَانُ قَوْلٌ وَعَمَلٌ I only wrote from a person who believed iman is قول and عمل. Because at that time, it was a fitna that a group of people did not believe iman was قول and عمل. What does this show? Look who you take your knowledge from. إِنَّ هَذَا الْأَمْرَ دِينٌ فَانْظُرُوا عَمَّنْ تَأْخُذُونَ دِينَكُمْ This religion is a what? If you today knew a doctor was not certified and he was corrupt and he doesn't do a good job and in his syringe there's the wrong medicine in there, he's clumsy, would you, take no, would you go to that doctor? Would you even argue with the person who's telling you that that doctor's corrupt? Are you going to say, Akhi, fear Allah, stop insulting the doctors? Are you going to say that? You can say, Jazakallah khairan, and stay away from the doctor. And you would thank the person, right? But why is it that your religion, you don't accept that? Look at this. If you wanted to get married and you came to a person who knew the sister, shara'an is permissible for him to tell you if she's got heart problems. And the opposite is true. If a sister wants to get married and she knows, the, she knows you know the brother and she says to you, look, I want to get married to this brother. Is there any problems you know in him? You tell her what this brother is like based on the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. When Fatiba bin Tiqais, she said, Ya Rasulullah, two men are asking for my hand in marriage. Two men. And the Prophet said, who is it? She said, the first one is Abu Jahm. The companion Abu Jahm. And the second one is who? Muawiyah. The Prophet said to her, Abu Jahmin, nisa. Abu Jahmin, he beats the women. The stick is on his shoulder. Anytime she says anything, whip, he whips her. The second one is what? Huh? The second is Muawiyah. He's a man who has no money. He can't look after you financially. He can't take care of you. Are we all together, brothers? These are two noble scholars, two noble companions, sorry. They've got deeds, righteous deeds. Muawiyah is a what? He's from the writers of the Wahi. So if the Prophet is telling this woman about the problem that are in these two individuals so she can avoid marrying them and he then directed her to who? Usama ibn Zaydin this is only marriage on a, on a one person scale if a person comes up to you and asks you about a person's mu'taqal and aqeedah shall I take knowledge from them you should be what? 
Why you need to tell them? This is their deen. This is their akhirah. This is their hereafter. It's more than if you tricked a sister into a wrong marriage or if you tricked a man into a wrong marriage. Does that make sense? And Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, that is how his seeking of knowledge started. Here, Bukhari, rahimahullah, he said, دخلت بغداد, I entered Baghdad ثمانية مرات, eight times. في كلها أجالس أحمد بن حنبل. Every time I will sit with Ahmed ibn Hanbal. فقال لي one day Ahmed said to me, يا أبا عبد الله أو بخاري تدع العلم وتصير إلى خراسان. Because Bukhari at this time, he made a decision he's going to go back to Khurasan. He traveled, he took knowledge from a lot of scholars, and then he said, I'm going to go back to Khurasan. Khurasan at this time was not known like that. There wasn't, huh? As it Baghdad was. Baghdad was the hub for knowledge. Because the Khilafah was there. The Khilafah was where? It was in Baghdad. Uh, Bukhari didn't listen to Ahmed Muhammad, he went to Khurasan. When he went to Khurasan, what did he regret? He said, فَأَنَا أَذْكُرُ قَوْلَهُ الْآنَ What he said to me was right. I should have not gone to Khurasan. Why? A big fitna happened to him. And Imam al-Bukhari, a big fitna happened uh, to him, which if we get time for, we'll mention, and if we don't, then I've spoken about Bukhari's life in other videos. You can go watch it, inshallah ta'ala. Bukhari, rahimahullah, this is one powerful story. He said, Bukhari would travel to the shiyukhs in Basra. Oh, Ghulam, was a young kid. He didn't have no hair on his beard, on his face. Bukhari never used to write. He'd just listen. Days came, Bukhari would come to the gathering, sit from the beginning to the end, and he would leave. So the people, they can see that. He's not writing anything. They're writing, turning over the page. He's not writing anything. And then they said to him, What are you doing? Why have you wasted your time? Why are you sitting in the gathering? Why are you not writing? We started to criticize him. He said, After 16 days of criticism being put at him, right, left, center, everybody criticizing him. He said to them, You guys have criticized me a lot. Hey, present to me what you guys have written. Everybody brought out what they wrote. It was more than what? More than 15,000. What they were writing all those days. He read all of that from the top of his head. Had Imam al-Bukhari. Every single thing that they wrote, he read it for them from the top of his head. Until when he finished, we'll say, stop, stop. Hey, go, carry on. Oh. They will make sure that what they... Hey, carry on. What he, he narrates, they'll go, stop, stop, stop. Everybody correct? Oh, hey, carry on. They started to make him the hakam. He was judging what they wrote, if, what they wrote, if it was right or wrong. فَعَلِمْنَا From there we realized أَنَّهُ لَا يَتَقَدَّمُهُ أَحَدٌ No one's going to go before this man. فَكَانَ أَهْلُ الْمَعْرِفَةِ الْبَصْرَةِ يَعُدُّونَ خَلْفَهُ فِي طَلَبِ الْحَدِيثِ The scholars of that place, they would go behind Bukhari. فَيَقْتُبُونَ عَنْهُ وَهُوَ الشَّابِ The senior shuyukh of Basra, would go to him and they would write from him. 
حتى يغلبوه على نفسه ويجالسون في بعض الطرق some of them because of Bukhari being wanting to go around they would sit in the paths for him فيجتمعون عليه ألوف Bukhari if he was heard he came out from his house and he came out to the market it was a stampede people just want to narrate from him here and there رحمه الله تعالى الإمام البخاري كان شديد الحياء في صغري was a very shy person to extent that he's Shaykh Muhammad bin Salam al-Bikandi he said أترونه do you not see البكر أشد حياء من هذا الغلام the only person who's more shy than him is a virgin yes أما that could be one the other قول is he's asking his students do you think even a virgin is more shy than this boy very shy Bukhari rahimahullah rahmatan wasi'ah and this is powerful because with that knowledge comes what? Arrogance and ah, oh ah, boastfulness and you know, forgetting everything. But he was very shy. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. Now we're going to speak about the shuyukh of Imam al-Bukhari, Imam al-Bukhari's teachers. We divide Bukhari's teachers into five. Bukhari's teachers are divided into five categories. And this is very important for you to know. The first one is مَنْ حَدَّثَهُ عَنِ التَّابِعِينَ مَنْ حَدَّثَهُ عَنِ التَّابِعِينَ Those which he narrated from the tabi'een The tabi'een in which he he narrated from there's some tabi'een he narrated from. Those are the first one. These are the senior ones from his shuyukhs. They're the highest level. Like Maki ibn Ibrahim and Muhammad ibn Abdullah al-Ansari and Ubaidullah ibn Musa and Abi Asim al-Nabil and Abu Nu'aym al-Mullai and Abi al-Mughirat al-Khawlani and Khalad ibn Yahya. These people are from the tabi'een which he narrated from. I will write it on the board later. The shuyukhs, just write the information. These are the tabi'een which he narrated from. Number two is, مَنْ كَانَ فِي عَصْرِ هَؤُلَاءِ وَتَأَخَّرَ عَنْهُمْ Those who were the time of the tabi'een, but were very late in, in timing. Meaning he didn't hear from them at the early stages. When did he hear from them? At a very late stage of their lives when they became very old. An example is Adam ibn Abi, Iyasin al-Asqalani, Abu Musir, Abdul A'la ibn Musir, Ayyub ibn Sulaiman ibn Bilalin, Hajjaj ibn Minhalin, Sa'id ibn Abi Maryam, Thabit ibn Muhammad al-Zahidan, and the students of Al-Awza'i, and the students of Abu Dhi'bin, and Thawri, and Shu'bat ibn Hajjaj, Abu Bistam al-Ataki. They're students. Number three is, Awsatu mashayikhi ladina sharakahu fi riwayati. People who were his contemporaries. They were what? They were his contemporaries. They were like him. They were leveled with him. An example for this is um, an Imam Muslim, Ahmad ibn Hanbal. Why do we say he's leveled with Ahmad ibn Hanbal? Because he narrated from the people Ahmad narrated from as well. 
Are you with me, brothers? The scholars, they will, scholars of hadith, they consider a contemporary if you took from your teacher's teacher. Are you with me, brothers? You are leveled with your teacher because whatever you got, he's shuyukhs as well. So even though Ahmed ibn Hanbal is Bukhari's what? Teacher, he's also what? Muslim is the student of who? But he's also leveled with him. Because they're also narrated from the same people. And here, of course, Muslim falls under it. And Ahmed ibn Hanbal is Haq ibn Rahuya, Yahya ibn Ma'in, ibn Abi Shayba, Qutaybat ibn Sa'id, and Ali ibn al-Madin, Nu'aym ibn Hamad al-Khuzai, and others. Number four is What did I say number three was? Number three is He's middle teachers Okay So remember he, we divided his teachers Senior, very high, right? What did we say? Very high Those were the ones From the tabi'een He heard from them in their prime Huh? Bukhari was very young and they were what? They were in their primes. The second one was what? They were at the time of the tabi'een, but they were old in age. And Bukhari ta'ala, was now uh, older than he was before. The third one is his shuyukhs, who there were not big difference between him and them. Are you there? That's the fourth, sorry. The, fourth, the third one was his, his contemporaries, right? The fourth one is Awsatu Shuyukhi. He's middle. He's what? He's middle Shuyukhs. He's Shuyukhs, the middle, the ones in the middle. The age span between Bukhari and them wasn't that much. Are you there, brothers? I'll write it later. This one is Ahmed ibn Hanbal. And sorry, it's Haqam al-Rahuya, Yahya ibn Ma'in, and Ali ibn Medini, and Nu'aym ibn Hamad al-Khuzai, and others. The ones that are his contemporaries were Ahmed ibn Nasrin, and Yahya al-Dhuhali, and others. Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Dhuhali, and Abu Hatim al-Razi, and Abu Zur'at al-Razi, and others. These are his contemporaries. That's the mistake I did. Number five is those who are his students. Those who are lower than him. That are his students. Are you there? They're his students, but he narrated from them as well. And this is what they, they call Ilm al-Hadith. Riwayat al-Akabiri anil anil asagiri. When the seniors narrate from there, this shows the humbleness of scholars. From those is Abu Isa Tirmidhi. Tirmidhi, Bukhari narrated from him in one hadith in his what? In his Sahih. Bukhari in his Sahih, there's one hadith from who? From who? Al Imam? At Tirmidhi. This is to show you that Tirmidhi was taken. 
Now we're going to go to Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala. He's how he was in terms of his zuhd, how aesthetic he was rahimahullah ta'ala. Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala, the wealth that his father left behind for him, all of it he spent it in seeking knowledge. He used to give it out to the students of knowledge. He would give them money and he would spend it on them. And he would also, he would spend it on his path of seeking knowledge. Rahimahullah rahmatan wasi'a. He was a person who never liked backbiting people. This wasn't something Bukhari liked. He said the following. He said, When I learned that backbiting harms its people, when I learned that backbiting is haram, I never backbited anyone. If you ponder on Imam al-Bukhari's criticism of narrators, when he has to speak about narrators, and he has to, because he has to, this is his job. He has to say, this narrator is weak, don't take the hadith from him. And he didn't like backbiting. What would he do? Al-Imam al-Bukhari, and he knows he has to do this, because he's protecting the religion. He would take the safest of ways of making sure that he got the message across. He will say, rahimahullah ta'ala, fihi nadar. This person, there's a look to him. He will say, for example, Sakatu Anu, the scholars went silent regarding him, meaning they didn't praise him. He would say, for example, Tarakuhu, the scholars abandoned him. He would say, for example, Al Imam al Bukhari, Kadzabahu Fulanu, so and so he said he's a liar. He wouldn't say it. He would say, so a scholar, so and so said it. And he would tribute to a scholar. Ramahu Fulanu bil Kadibi, so and so accused him of lying. He agrees with him, but he wouldn't want to like, he wouldn't like saying it. He wouldn't like saying it, rahimahullah ta'ala. All of this was what? Was to save himself. Look what Ibn Hajar said. Because Ibn Hajar, he followed up Bukhari a lot. And he knew Bukhari very well. Look what he said. He said, Al-Bukhari fi kalamihi anil rijali fi ghayati tahari wa tawaqi wa man ta'amala kalamahu fi aljarhi wa ta'adil alima wara'ahu wa insafahu Anyone who looks at Bukhari's words about the narrators and how he criticized them, he will realize he was He was diligent. He wouldn't just criticize a person. He would take his time. He would look into the narrator. He would see... Because scholars sometimes they may say something about each other and it's not based on evidence. So he will look into it. He will investigate was it fair? Okay, yes. Even then when it became clear to him that this person was what was said about him, he would take the what part, which path? He would take the best way of getting that message across, the least of having to say anything about the person. That's how he would do it. Rahimahullah ta'ala. Walidalika, the scholars, when Bukhari speaks about a narrator, what did they give it? They gave it weight. They gave it what? Wait. Well, if your tongue is always about the people's honor, 
and you're always criticizing the people and you're always backbiting the people, it drops your argument when you have a point. When you do have a point and you speak, what does it do to you? It devalues your statement. And your whole speech becomes what? It just goes like the wind. You're going to be like the boy who cried out, Wolf. The first time people, okay, second, three, can't be calling out wolf every day. So in the beginning, be diligent. Another thing you learned is, these were ahlul lidhalik. That was their job. Not everybody can speak about it. It's not everybody's job. It's not everybody to indulge into this issue and everybody speak. It's for people who have khibra, understanding. Who when they speak, they're speaking with insaf and they're looking into the issue with justice. But the door is not just open for every single body. It has to be done with um, diligence and with knowledge and sincerity. But nowadays, criticizing a person is name-calling. Call the person Aswa'ul Asma, the worst of names. Dog, monkey, donkey. You give person the worst of names. Now. And then the person would say, I'm following the Salaf in this issue. Al-Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, Al-Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, he was good even in the Arabic language. He was an Imam in the Arabic language. So he used to have poetry. And I want to conclude with this poetry that he said. It's very powerful, wallahi. And I want every one of us, if today we could write this poetry and place it somewhere in our house. If you can put it into a... Uh, A4 or no, A5 and stick it somewhere and every time remember this he said rahimahullah ta'ala he said igtanim fil firaq fadla ruku'in fa'asa an yakuna mawtuka baghtah kam sahihin ra'ayta min ghayri suqmin dhahabat nafsuhu sahihatu faltah he said igtanim benefit my beloved brothers and sisters benefit fil firaq if you have free time You've been doing good, you've been studying, you've been learning. And then you have time that's free. What do you do? He said, come with fadla ruku'in. Come with two rak'ah. Throw in two rak'ah. You have two minutes, three minutes that you're doing nothing. Don't sit around and just daydream. Throw in two rak'ah. If you've got more time, add more. If Add more. Because this is from the nawafil mutlaqa. Just pray it. Fa'asa, it is possible. And yakuna mawtu kabagta. Your death can be sudden. It can just suddenly become a split second. You can die. Because Allah says in the Quran, wa ma kana li nafsin an tamuta illa illa kitaban mu'ajjala. Everybody's death, ya ikhwa, is written. It's appointed time. And it's going to happen that time when it comes. No one can stop it. You can die any minute, any lava, any second. There's some videos on YouTube, if you see it, a person is, you know, walking and just drops dead. Or a person's teaching and he drops dead. We've seen videos like that, I guess. Your death can be sudden. Look what he said. How many people have we seen, he said, that are healthy? They are healthy. من غير سقم they have no illness no one knew any illness ذهبت نفسه الصحيحة فلتا suddenly he just died no one knows 
He was healthy. There was no illness. He just dropped dead. And this he's advising is exactly what he used to do. These scholars, brothers, they reached a level in their time, preservation of their time, looking after their time, using their time, doing beneficial things in their time to the extent. And Imam al-Nawawi, anybody who came to him, to visit him, he would give him a pencil and he would say, sharpen it for me. Anybody who visited him, sharpen it for him. His sister, because Imam al-Nawawi wasn't married, his sister used to bring him food. And what he would do is he would break up the food, he would pour it inside his water and he would drink it together. That's it. They saw the eating time as a waste of time. Walidarik ibn Aqir rahimahullah had 800 volumes, Kitab al-Funun, which is mafqood, it's not present, it was lost. He said that the time I hated the most was the time I had to eat. Waste of time. We love that time. We enjoy it. We roll up our sleeves. We get ready for that, yeah? We have gatherings. That's how you realize us and them. They're on one side and we are on the what? And then we want. What's funny is we want to be the same in their production. I want to be like them. That's funny. Isn't that grief? That you rarely look at your notes and you come to the Friday class and you just sit there. Yeah, ikhwah. Sah. And then you want to become Bukhari. <laughs> is that going to happen? So people, they're like, what, what book was it? Subhanallah, let me... Any person who wants to learn, he puts more time in the house than he puts inside the classroom. The effort. Walidarika Wallahi, the Mashaykh used to say, if you're studying for four hours, your reading has to be eight hours. If it's two hours, you had a class, you have to study for four hours. Double of what the teacher was teaching you. Organize your notes. Memorize your notes. Schedule. Do you think all of these scholars got all of this overnight? And the reason why we have this problem is because our aspiration is very low, Wallahi. Our aspiration is extremely low. Like, our Prophet Sallallahu when the companion... He told them to ask for Jannah. Did he just say, Oh Allah, give us Jannah? Is that what he said to them? He said, If you're going to ask Allah for Jannah, don't just say, Oh Allah, take me to Jannah. Say, firdos. Ask the highest level of Jannah. This is, a, he's trying to teach the companions, don't settle for the bare minimum. Some, some of you might be coming to this class, Oh, I just want my Iman to boost. Huh, that's the lowest of, the, that's going to come. Some may come here and say, my aim is just inshallah so the angels can write me down. That's the lowest of aspiration. Your aspiration should be because Allah Allah loves the highest of affairs. Allah loves the greatest of matters. The animal that we know is the king of the jungle. Which one is the animal which is known as the king of the jungle? Huh? You know that lion has a qa'ida, a principle. Those of you who watch naf, what's it called? National graph, what's it called? The wildlife. We call it in England, it's called Discovery Channel. Anyone who watches the Discovery, Discovery Channel will realize lions don't eat dead corpse. 
The lion has high aspiration. He's the king of the jungle. He can't just take what's been hunted by somebody else. Or else he's going to be a loser. So what does he do? He goes out and gets it himself. All together. He will hunt himself. He will do his own thing. You see, exerting your own efforts, putting a lot of time and hard work makes you, gives you that upper hand. Ibn al-Qayyim says, لا بد لكل سالك Everybody who wants to get to Allah Azza wa Jalla, who wants to reach the goal that he's looking for in whatever it is in life, he needs two things, he said. What is it? He said, Himmatun turaqi Aspiration that uplifts him. You need the aspiration. And what else do you need? He said, وَعِلْمٌ يُبَصِّرُهُ وَيَهْدِيهِ And knowledge that gives you insights. It's not just a mere aspiration, it's you know what to do now. You know what practical steps to take. You know how to go about it. A lot of you spend a lot of time in your cars when you're driving. What do you really listen to when you're in your car? What can you listen to when you're in your car? How many beneficial things can you do in that car? Calc- sit down, do this for me, go home, Buy a, if you don't have it, buy a stopwatch. Every time you come into your car, press the stopwatch. When you get out of the car, stop the stopwatch. Note down how long you were in the car for that moment. When the day finishes, look how long you spent in the car. You'll see that you spent in the car a lot. Are we all together, brothers? And you'll realize that if you just got a lecture, and you designated a lecture for every time you go into the car, you'd probably finish a series like that. Are you there, brothers? Are you there, brothers? I remember a time I took the tafsir of Abdurrahman Nasr Sa'di. Huh? You, you know the tafsir of Abdurrahman Nasr Sa'di? It's a one volume tafsir book. I, before I go to sleep every day, 15 to 20 minutes, that was my decision to go through it. Are you there, brothers? 15 to 20 minutes. In two years, I finished it. I didn't go out of my way. It's just next to my pillow. I get it out, read it for those 10, 15 minutes. And was I continuous and consistent on it? No. There were times I was missing. There were weeks that I didn't do it. But I finally finished. If you just do something like that, if you say the adhan and the iqamah between fajr is long, and I'm going to pray Fajr anyways on Friday morning. I'm going to start doing this in that time. One year you'll see that you've achieved something. We have this mindset, which is that we have to have a lot of hours or nothing. Are you there, brothers? If I don't have two hours free, I don't have no time. And that's a misunderstanding of what you're... Even if you have ten minutes somewhere, that's something. Are you with me, brothers? You value those 10 minutes, you do something in it. I just believe not knowing how to benefit from your time is what made us the way we are. Let's quickly go over Imam al-Bukhari al-Sahih, the book now. Imam al-Bukhari al-Sahih, it's called, what's Sahih al-Bukhari called? Write this down, it's called al-Jami'ah. 
is called Al-Jami' Al-Musnad Al-Jami' Al-Musnad Al-Sahih Al-Jami' Al-Musnad Al-Sahih Al-Mukhtasar من أمور رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وسننه وأيامه الجامع المسند الصحيح المختصر من أمور من أمور رسول الله من أمور رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وسننه وسننه وأيامه الجامع المسند الصحيح المختصر من أمور رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وسننه وأيامه وأيامه That's the name of the book That is the name of the book By understanding the name of the book What are we going to learn? The content of the book I just realized this is the first time I stood up Today, I, I, I had to relax a bit. What's the first part of the name? Jama'. Jama' is Bukhari's book. What does Jama' mean? Jama' means in English? So what, is, what does it actually mean, comprehensive? It means this book is not specific to aqidah. It's not specific to fiqh. It's not specific to tafsir. It's not specific to fadailul a'mal. It's not specific to virtues and manaqib. It means it has all of them. Jami' means it has every single thing here. Whereas if you go to Sunnah Abi Dawood, and Ibn Majah and Nasa'i, they are specific to fiqh-related issues. Are we all together? Like in Bukhari's kitab is Jami'. What is it? Jami'. It's comprehensive. Okay? The scholars, they mention, for a book to be Jami', it has to have eight fields inside it. How many? Eight fields inside it. The first one is known as it has to have hadith in it, of course. Okay? Fannul hadith. So it has, number one, it has to have hadith. Does the Imam al Bukhari's hadith? Of course, it's a hadith book, Aslan. And then it has to have al aqaid, aqidah related issues. 
العقائد and it has to have fiqh issues it has to have seerah biography it has to have al-riqaq and I want you guys to get me the next three inshallah ta'ala yeah al-riqaq heart sustaining no no you guys have to get it so much inshallah ta'ala find the next three that have to be there Eight things have to be in that book for it to be what? وَلِذَلِكَ الْإِمَامُ التِّرْمِذِ sunan is disputed whether it's what? A jami' or not. All based on how many of those eight has, has he got or he doesn't. What is the next part of the book? I think we took the word musnad, musnad right? We took what the word musnad means, right? We, how many meanings did we say Muslim has according to the istilah al muhaddithin? Huh? What was the two meanings? The first one we said it's uh, the chain of narration is what? That's the meaning Bukhari is taking. Not the Muslim of Imam Ahmed's one. And Imam Ahmed's Muslim, what was it? Just a compilation in order of what? Of the companions. So, Sah? Like in Bukhari here, no. Bukhari's one is referring to it's going to be connected to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Does that make sense? That's what he means. So we, we we understand, but not every hadith that's connected to the Prophet is what. Sorry, are we together, brothers? It might be connected, okay, but there might be a person's memory is what. Weak or something, or might, there might be a hidden defect in there. So he he brought the third condition, which is what. Are we all together, brothers? Now here, I want you to all understand. Please, please understand this point. If you do, you'll be successful in understanding Sahih Bukhari. Are we all together, brothers? And that is from the name. What did we say? We understand. We understand the book, the content of the book. We understand the methodology of the author. And we also understand how the book works. Sahih? He, so we said the kitab is jami'ah. That's good. And he said it's what? Musnad, right? Musnad means that hadiths are what? From Bukhari to the Prophet is connected. If we find in his sahih hadiths which are not connected, what do we do? These are side points. Okay? They're not from his sahih. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I want you to understand this. If we find a hadith which are known as mu'allaqat, which we'll, find, which we'll speak about, where Bukhari him says, Qala Rasulullahi, and he doesn't mention how he heard it from the Prophet. He doesn't bring a chain for it. The reason why he didn't bring a chain for it is because if he does, you may assume that this is from his book. He is a hadith that he wanted it to be in his sahih. This is just a side point. Are we all together, brothers? Am I making sense? Yeah. So Bukhari has a hadith. So from his name, he's telling you what his book is going to be. It's a jamia. Are we all together? Second is Musnad. 
Muslim means from Bukhari, hadathana, 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 to the Prophet. In his Sahih scholars, when they read it, they saw a hadith which are mu'allaqat. Are we all together? Mu'allaqat, right? These ahadith which are mu'allaqat, the reason why Bukhari didn't bring it is because in the chain of these people, there's somebody he doesn't want to use. Or he doesn't want them. Or it doesn't meet his criteria. But he feels there's a need to just mention it. So he will throw it in his sahih, like in the scholars they will say, these are not part of Bukhari sahih. Even though you find it inside there, it's not. Because the sahih is jami'un musnad. And this hadith is not musnad. Does that make sense? So these ones, you can't say Rawahul Bukhari and leave it like that. Are you doing me brothers? Because if you say Rawahul Bukhari, in his sahih, you, people think it's the Musnad. But this hadith is not a Musnad. Though you don't say this one. Am I making sense? You're looking. It's in some places, so he brings it under chapterings. When he mentions a chapter, he throws it under the chapter, for example. And then he brings a hadith that he wants. Are you doing, brothers? So these mu'allaqat, you can never say Bukhari narrated in his sahih. Never. Does that make sense? They're footnotes. Hmm. They're hawamish. They're not min sulbul kitab. They're not from the, 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 the root of the book. Just like Muslim. An Imam Muslim, the muqaddimah, the introduction that he wrote, his for, sahih, that he wrote, his, that he wrote for his sahih, can you say Muslim narrated it? The ahadith which are in the muqaddimah, Muslim, before he wrote his sahih, this is the sahih Muslim, right? Sahih Muslim. Pay attention. Before it, he wrote a what? What did he write? He wrote a muqaddimah. And then he wrote his sahih. And it's together, you see it together. Can you get a hadith from the muqaddimah and say rawahu? Muslim narrated. Can you say that? No, you can't. Because there are hadith which are weak in there. And this is not what he... This was his beginning of his... This is where he starts his conditions and he looks at authenticity. So the mu'alaqat of Bukhari, you can't say Bukhari narrated it. The same way you can't say Muslims, muqaddimah. Whatever hadith you get from there, you have to say, Rawahu Muslimun fi muqaddimatihi. Muslim narrated in his muqaddimah. Because when you say in his muqaddimah, scholars of hadith will understand, okay. What would they understand? They have to check its authenticity. If you see a hadith which is mu'allaq, which is not connected, and it should have been connected, you can say rawahu al-Bukhariyu mu'allaqan. You have to add that word there. Then we'll say, okay. Does that make sense, brothers? Am I making sense? Why do I feel like I'm not? Huh? Huh? Bukhari, every time he brought it from himself to the Prophet Ha. Huh. That's understandable. Naam, naam. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So, but the thing he will do, he generally brings it in the bab. So, you know the bab when he writes the bab? Under it, he'll bring it. And then he'll start the hadith. As you know, Bukhari doesn't have a muqaddim aslan. 
Um, so I, if I go too much into it, I'm, I'm scared I, I might confuse you, but I think I'll have to now, because you guys seem to be confused. Okay, let me say something to you guys. There's something called... Uh, when you want to use something as a witness, as a shahid, he's my witness. If you bring two people who are reliable and truthful, and then you add a third person who's not, did I take that third person as a witness? Who am I really relying on? The two and this person just follow him up. Sahih. Bukhari generally when he brings the mu'allaqat, they're not the ones he's using. He mentions all the hadith for his argument and then maybe just follows one extra hadith which is mu'allaq. Does that make sense? Generally that's why he brings it. A hadith of? Let me give you an example of a hadith which is in Sahih al-Bukhari which is Mu'allaq. I don't know one from the chain of Sahih al-Bukhari Sahih. Like I know one from Muslim that comes to my mind fast now. The statement of Yahya ibn Abi Kathir. The statement of Yahya ibn Abi Kathir where he said لا ينال العلم براحة الجسم Knowledge cannot be gained with a relaxed body. Are you there, brothers? Imam Muslim brought it mu'allaqan as well. Who? Al-Imam Muslim. He says, قَالَ يَحْيَ بْنَ أَبِي كَثِيرٍ Muslim never met Yahya ibn Abi Kathir. It's disconnected between him and Yahya ibn Abi Kathir. Are you there, brothers? So straight away he jumps to قَالَ يَحْيَ بْنَ أَبِي كَثِيرٍ Yahya ibn Abi Kathirin said that you can't gain knowledge with a relaxed body. The question here is, why did Muslim bring it? Muslim doesn't want you to take this hadith as a sahih or not. He doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't bother him because he's not using it for evidence. But because Muslim was writing so many different chains when he did this, and he brought so much narrations, he felt to tell you that all of this effort that I exerted here wasn't easy. I went through a lot of hardship for it. So he topped it up with the statement of who? Does that make sense? Ah, so now we're going to go into it. The ahadith which are mu'allaqat, the way that the Bukhari, well, it's a big science, brothers. You guys are asking me about 16 years of writing of Ibn Hajar's Hadusari. The more I speak, the more it may confuse you all. But I, I, I'm being forced to. Okay, Bukhari narrated the mu'allaqat in two ways. How many ways did he narrate it? The first one is called Bisira, Bisira til Jazmi. And the second one is Bisira, Bisira til Tamrid. Like, for example, Bukhari, even that though the mu'allaqat are not from his conditions. They're not from his conditions. His conditions is going to be Muslim and it's going to be Sahih. That's not his condition. That's a side point. But even then, he still wants to tell you whether it's authentic or not. Even if it's authentic, it's still not from his conditions. Are we all together, brothers? If he wants to indicate that this hadith is Sahih, 
he will say qala rasulullah for example or whoever he's attributing it to he will say qala qala shows jazm he said tamrid says qila ama ruwiya it was narrated from him it was said that he said if he says it was said that he said to him it's weak are we together brothers if he says ruwiya to him he's trying to say it's what it's narrated that the prophet said this it's weak to him whereas here he would have said qala rawa and etc he will say hukiya these are all tamrid forms there's term words that he would use this is an indication that it's what weak according to who Bukhari himself but is it always the case it can also not some scholars go after him and they say no it's not weak it's actually sahih and some people say no it's whatever he made sahih some scholars may say no it's weak the point being it's not from his conditions whatever you believe of it this is not mentioned al Bukhari are we all together brothers am I making good sense here no yes I am right just to amaze you even more Ibn Hadir what he did was he got all of the hadith which were in Bukhari which were Mu'allaq he, he, he authored a book and he brought all the chain for each one and he called it Taghliq Al-Ta'liq what did he do? all of those hadith which are Mu'allaq that I said are disconnected Ibn Hadir went to the other books and he tried to find a chain for it and he authored one particular book where he called it Al-Taghliq Al-Ta'liq he's, he's an imam right Ibn Hadir are we all together, brothers? Separately. And in his Fathul Bari, every time he sees those Mu'allaqat Ibn Hajar, he'll bring the chain for it for you over there as well. But that's a side point. Okay? There's many more things that can be said about the Mu'allaqat, but we won't go into it. Are we all together, brothers? Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah? Imam al-Bukhari is Sahih, the hadith which are mu'allaq. Not that I know of right now, the added, I can't remember the numbers. Hmm? Ha! Any hadith which haven't Sahih al-Bukhari, I don't have a senet, because it's not Muslim, we already know it's not Minshurut al-Bukhari. So we shouldn't even be arguing about Bukhari narrated this and Bukhari brought a hadith which were weak. Anyone who weakens the mu'allaqat hasn't, hasn't weakened a hadith in Bukhari. No, no, it's not mawdu'ah. It's just disconnection. It's just da'if. We're now going to look at the, when we look at the conditions of sahih. Shall I rub, shall I rub off? So pay attention here. I, I really want you guys to understand this. I know this is a lot, but the truth is Bukhari's kitab is important to us because it's the most authentic book after the Quran. Okay? And this book, if you don't understand it, then that's the second most powerful source for us. So Muslim means it's connected. Muslim means if any any hadith which is in Bukhari Sahih. Are you there? Are you there, brothers? Any hadith which are what? Any Sahih. Shall I bring this example or am I being a doubt to you guys? Mm, it's a good question. It's regarding those who say the permissibility of music and they say the hadith is, which is in Bukhari is weak. 
because of this concept of mu'allaq. Should we explain it or should we just leave that? Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Qala Hisham ibn Ammar. So scholars, they said, this hadith is weak. Or it's actually, Bukhari didn't narrate it, it's mutasilan. It's not connected. Why? Because Bukhari said, Qala Hisham ibn Ammar. And Qala is not from the Sirah Tahammul. He didn't bring that. It's Mu'allaq. Sahih. So they said, this is from the Mu'allaqat of Bukhari and we don't accept it. Are we all together? Ibn Iraqi, what did he say? He says, An'anatun ma'azifi la ibn hazminil mukhalifi. Who said that this? Who brought this argument? Ibn Hazm al-Zahiri. The response to this is number one is Hisham ibn Ammar is from what? From Shuyukh al-Bukhari. Are we all together? It's from the what? It's from the what? Shuyukh of Imam al-Bukhari. Imam al-Bukhari took from Hisham ibn Ammar. Even if he said Qala here. Are you there brothers? Does that make sense? That's number one. Number two. Bukhari when he narrates with Qala. Or when he narrates with An. Or Qala. And he doesn't use Haddathana. Or Akhbarana. And the person is narrated from somebody who he met. Of course, the scholars, they say, this qa'id is good. An, ana, an'ana tul-Bukhari, the an'ana of Bukhari. Because the qala and an here means the same. An'ana tul-Bukhari, mahmoolun, ala tisal. That the an'ana of Bukhari, Bukhari is qala or an, from his own shaykh, it's considered that he heard it from him. That's number two, the second argument. The third answer for this is, the third answer is, Ibn Hajar brings, even if we dismiss all of that, Ibn Hajar brings a chain for it here. In which book? At-Taghliq. At-Taghliq. So, you have three answers. There, brothers? Which is the famous hadith that we're talking about here is the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, The famous hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, um, there's going to be from an ummah those who are going to make khamar for themselves permissibility, they're going to make silk for themselves permissibility, and they're going to make music permissible for themselves. We've seen people make khamar permissible, they call it juice now in the UK. To make it halal, so they, they call it juice, it's not called alcohol anymore. Um, silk, well a lot of men are wearing silk, like, and they'll say to you, what's wrong, what's the problem, uh, and etc. I remember one guy, I said to him, silk for men is not permissible. He said, why would God actually be so concerned about my silk jacket? Nah. Why would he be so, so concerned about the silk jacket I'm wearing? Are you there? Has he even got better things to do in life? Allah ajeeb. And he's meant to be a Muslim. The second one was what? Music. And the, the hadith of music was mentioned in what context? Of khamar that is by default, but known by every Muslim that is haram, right? 
and silk that's known to everybody that it's haram. Music was mentioned right next to it. And then the Prophet told us in that, that there's going to come a destruction for those people listening to music. Allah is going to deform them. What is he going to do? He's going to change their form. And it's ajeeb today, if you actually look at the rappers and the musicians, if you look at them who are rapping today, the noises that they make from their mouth and the way they jump around, Allah has actually made them into monkeys. It's ajeeb, right? Allah has actually deformed them. You can see the process is starting. They're jumping around. Some of them, their names is called Dog. That's his name. You see? It's a reality. So, and by the way, the music that these scholars are talking about is what type of music? Is it the same one that we're talking about today? Wallahi, imagine, imagine, imagine they saw this music with the videos that it comes with and everything, subhanAllah. Wallahi, anybody who listens to music, hypocrisy is not far from them. And today, the, the source of khaba'i, filth, is what? Wallahi, it's around this thing. Filthy. The things that it does to people. Depression, anxieties, women having problems in marriages, listening to music after they get depressed and sad. Wallahi, barar, barar. The lyrics that they hear and they take in and what they take it's, it's filthy wallahi Allah says in the Quran like this is the when Allah took Iblis out of Jannah Allah told, to Iblis, told Iblis you know terrify them and control them with your what? Mufassirin. I'm talking about Sa'id ibn Jubayr and Qatada and great Mufassirin. You know what they said that the sound, the voice is here? Music. That the voice that Shaytan is going to use to misguide is going to be what? It's going to be music. Ha. Ha. Bukhari is Sahih. Are the ahadith which are in it? To the companions, is it part of his conditions? No, it's Musnad. All together, Musnad. We were talking about hadith that are attributed to the Prophet. Number three. No, no. Hadathana akhbarana is Nisiyah Tahamul, which is Sarih. Generally speaking, the scholars of hadith, if you have to narrate a hadith, you have to say, I had, I was told. You have to say, they want that direct word. Because if you say, from Abu Salih, for example, are you with me, brothers? How did it come to me from him? There could be 10 people between me and him. Sahih? Did I lie like him? I didn't lie. But I said from. So the word qala and an, it takes like the word from. Scholars of hadith, they, no, 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 it's not from all. Did you hear it or not? Does that make sense? Bukhari, that condition is not put on him. You know why? Because when he uses his from and he uses his hadathana and akhbarana, he uses it simultaneously. Bukhari was never known to drop anyone out. Does that make sense? That's why they say an'anatul Bukhari mahmulatun ala tisal. This is too much information. It's going to be hard to digest everything. Are you there, brothers? 
And some of you guys are just new to the second module. Yeah. But it's good to know all of this. Wallah. It's a big book, but it has a lot of science behind it. Number three, what did we say is part of the name of the book? Yeah? It is what? A hadith which is weak. Listen, because to know sahih is good to know what? Weak, right? Any hadith which is criticized that said it's weak, it said it's weak because of two things. How many things? Yeah? How many things does a hadith become weak? Yeah? Two things. What is the first thing? Yeah, Senate. The disconnection of the chain. And the second reason why a hadith is, is what? Is weakened is because what? Yeah? Ha, the rawi. That's it. If you ever hear a hadith which is weak, it's either something to do with the chain or it's something to do with a criticism at narrator. Are you with me? So, am I making sense? The type of disconnection is two. The disconnection is two types, and the criticism of the narrator is two types. The disconnection is there's, there's, there's a disconnection which is apparent, and there's a hidden disconnection. And there's four from here. How many? Mursal, Mu'allaq, Munqati', Mu'dal, four. And the hidden one is two Mursal al Khafi and Mudallis. Here is two. What is it? It's Adala, the integrity of the narrator and his memory, which is his dhabt. Five come out of here, five come out of here. Here is Bid'a, Fisq, Kufr, wa ma ila dhalik. And then here his dhabt is what? Khifatul dhabt, Fuhshul Ghalat. It's five. Ah, brothers. Was that easy for you guys to write? <laughs> the point is, Bukhari made sure that didn't happen to his sahih. His book is what? Muttasilu Sanad. The chain is connected. There's no criticism in the narrator, whether it be criticism in terms of their integrity or their precision. Bukhari doesn't have that. The fourth thing of the name of the book was what? Al-Mukhtasar, right? What does it mean, Mukhtasar? All of, summary. Does it mean Bukhari is Sahih? It has all of the ahadith that are Sahih on the face of this earth. And anything other than what is, what is Bukhari is not Sahih. Is that what we're going to say? Or did Bukhari just summarize to some of the ahadith that are Sahih? Does that make sense? That's Mukhtasar. The book is summarized. It's not all the ahadith which are Sahih. There are many ahadith which are Sahih that he himself authenticated Bukhari, but he never brought in his Sahih. Are you there, brothers? In, 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 in some of his other works, like there's other books, Adab al Mufrad, there's a hadith which he authenticated it there, but he doesn't bring in his Sahih. There are hadith which he authenticated, which he narrates in his Juz al Raf'ul Yadayn, Qira'at Khalf al Imam. The reason why he didn't bring it here is because this book is not just authentic, it's the elite of the elite. The best he brought. Are we all together? What's the last part of the book? That's just the explanation of that it's related to the Prophet It's just the completing of the book. It's the sunnah and the days of the messenger If you understand these four, 
and you go into it. What does jami' mean? And you learn it properly. And musnad, you study the word musnad into more details and you look at the opposite, opposite things, the hadith which Bukhari brought, which are mu'allaq, and you, just, you study that more. And you look at sahih and its condition and this and that. And you look at the mukhtasar. How many ahadith which are mukhtasar in the sahih? You really will know the sahih book. Man. Am I making sense? Today we took both classes in one class. But that's not a problem because the tafsir were very good. The class in tafsir were ahead, alhamdulillah. I'm away. This one we were behind. We should have done Bukhari last lesson. Um, um, any questions? Halat Is that always the case? Always with Imam al-Bukhari. And the other one, can you say the poem? Ah, let me write the poetry for you guys. Anybody have any other questions? Ah, fadal. Say that one more time. So if khamar is haram, why are we going to get it in Jannah? And the Lord who made it haram in this dunya made it halal in the hereafter. Allah does whatever he wants. He said, you're not allowed here. You see, and you're allowed here. Just like parents say to their children, you can't do this on the weekdays. And on the weekend, you can, you can do it if you want to. Are you there? You can't, pray, you can't play Fortnite. Yeah, mushkila. On the weekdays, and you can play it on weeknight, uh, weekends. It's the same problem, right? Whether the child plays or plays it on fourth day. Yeah, parents. Alcohol. Yeah, the nature of the one in Jannah is different. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, anything that was mentioned in this dunya and it shares the name with it in the hereafter. The only thing that they share is what? The name. Because Jannah is Jannah is a place eyes have never seen, ears have never heard of, and has never come to the heart of any person. So do we all believe Jannah is a place eyes have never seen? Do we all agree? Even Adam didn't see Jannah? Are you sure? And Allah said, Udkhulul Jannah. Jannah. Hmm, think about that. Jannah is ma'ala ayinul ra'at. Eyes have never seen, the Prophet said. But what about Adam? Doesn't Adam not have eyes? Do you not see Jannah? You have to research these things, brothers. Hey, let me write the uh, research, research. Read the kitab Hadi al Arwah ila Bilad al Afrah by Ibn al Qayyim. He mentions it there. He talks about it. I said, I'm going to give them homework. Do you want me to give the homework now? Oh, yeah, I need it, yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you guys. Okay, wait. Buy that book if you haven't got it and try to read it. It's good. Hadi al-Arwah by Ibn al-Qayyim. He talks about that question I just asked about Jannah. 
This is the poetry. I would advise you guys to make that a uh, try to write that inshallah ta'ala in a book an A5 stick it on your wall you know maybe two three places in your house and every time when you see it it will remind you to benefit from your time and I've tried to tell some brothers to do that and wallahi alhamdulillah it's worked for them what they did was every time they saw it they prayed two rak'ah and it reminded them to just benefit from their time the, benef the, the benefit benefits the believers. I want to conclude by reminding you all of an upcoming event, inshallah ta'ala. Um, this is the uh, event, inshallah ta'ala. It's the 40 pearls of piety. And these are 40 hadiths that will be discussed. To be precise, it's going to be 42 hadiths. Um, scholars, they call it 40 hadiths, even if it's what? 42. And remember, Nawi's book is called Arba'in and Nawiya, but it's actually 42. These are 42 hadiths related to uh, issues of women. But is it specific to women? No. It's actually issues that talk about parenting. It also has concepts, inshallah ta'ala, that we'll be speaking about daughters. A lot of, I was reading subhanAllah an article a couple of weeks back. They said that the rate of prostitution in young girls is on the rise. And they said one of the reasons that has caused that is because a father figure. When the girl doesn't find a, a man taking care of her, and a man has to take care of a, woman, a girl, his daughter, physically, emotionally. And when he abandons that, if any random man comes around and he talks to her in a way that the girl goes with him. And it's true because the Messenger وسلم, if you look at the Sunnah, he gave more importance to the girl than he gave to the boy. The Prophet said, Man Anyone who looks after two girls and he cares for her and he marries her off, what did he say? He and I are like this in Jannah. When the Prophet was in Hajjatul Wada', 124,000 companions were standing in front of him. This type of gathering has never happened for him, alayhi salatu wasalam. It's unheard of. The largest number he's ever seen, alayhi salatu in one place, in one time. And one of the advices that he gave was what? He said, He said, show kindness towards women. And this 
He didn't say for the men. Specifically, directed this at the women. And in the Quran, if you look at Allah Taala, He named a surah after women. And a man can't say that surah doesn't concern me. Surah to Nisa, I'm not gonna. It's for the women. I'm not gonna read that. You have to. If you memorize the Quran, do you have to memorize Surah An-Nisa? Can you leave Surah An-Nisa? So come to this event, inshallah ta'ala. Even though it's, it's got issues related to what? Women, wallahi, you're going to benefit. And you're going to benefit when your wife has some issues that she needs to know the ruling for. You know what to say. And also she will know what is her right in the Sharia, in a marriage which her husband is not giving to her. So that day is also going to be a day where a lot of men are going to be what? In trouble. So make sure you come. Also, there are misconceptions and stereotypes regarding Muslim women. Inshallah ta'ala, in these lectures, I mean, in these ahadiths, we will respond to them. And I specifically chose to make it based around hadiths because I want to show each and every one of you that whatever situation we're going through and whatever circumstances that we're going through our religion has a solution for us it has an answer for us and to be very honest with you all this religion has the best answer for everything Allah says in the Quran in this is the best of religion but the majority of the people don't know Allah says in another ayah, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ مِنَ اللَّهِ حُكْمًا لِقَوْمِ يُوقِنُونَ Who's better than Allah in judgment? So these ahadiths, when they sisters read it and brothers who are going to come, inshaAllah ta'ala, listen to it, you realize this, is what, this, was, this was what was missing from your household. This was what your family needed, inshaAllah ta'ala. Um, we'll be doing that بإذن الله الكريم. So please come. The date is on the poster, inshallah ta'ala, it's on the 30th of this month. It's on a Friday, which is next week, Friday. It starts at 4 p.m. and it finishes at 10 p.m. bi-idhnillah al-kareem. And the venue is the Prince Haya Center, inshallah ta'ala. For more information regarding this particular event, you could go to the Kalima website, inshallah ta'ala, and register. Bring all of your family members and make sure you come. It's not wise for a father to come and to bring his wives and kids and his daughters and he leaves because that's not setting a good example come with your pen and paper inshallah ta'ala and listen inshallah ta'ala it's ghayn it's ightanim there's a dot there subhanakallahumma bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illallah astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh